hello everybody, welcome to season 3, episode 17 of the LGL Officially Unofficial Podcast with me, Mars One, and no man in the middle. Who needs men in the middle when you've got two Alexes here? It's, it's Nymera. Yeah. Uh, Alexi? Alexes? Alexes. Alexes. Yeah. That's the Amazon assistant. Yeah, you know, it's like, I think as I was wondering, you know, you know, there's like a murder of crows and a load of these really cool, like, plurals for things. Mm. Do we have like an official thing for, for Alex's? I went with like a convergence of Alex's. That sounds like ominous. Um, but anyway, that's what we've got. You can choose by yourselves what an appropriate word would be. But we have both the Alex's here. We do. Because uh, Sam is off doing some uh, Check content his Instagram. in Cologne for, hey, the, for stuff. Got, he had pink hair. For some reason, which yeah, that's alarming. But hey, with that said, Nymera, it's gonna be just the two of us it playoffs, is. um, LJL. But we've got a lot of stuff we're gonna cover. We're gonna have wax lyrically for the first ever mm. time, as you rem- realize. And I- we've never had a podcast just us two. Wild. Um, so just to kind of get some of the, like the admin stuff out of the way. <laughs> obviously, if you're watching this on your YouTube's or oh, your yes, various please, yeah. um, podcast things. Please leave us a review, leave us a content, a comment, uh, even if it is negative feedback or whatever. We obviously want to know that. Um, and yeah, it helps it's us. It's how we got better, in all doing. fairness. We... Neg- negative yeah. comments in our early days were actually how we got better, and we turned this from a four hour podcast almost down to oh, like under, an, under two hours consistently. And you know what? That segues really well into something that we wanted to blab about because we wanted to have a chat about uh, a little bit about how us doing this podcast and the various broadcasts kind of helped us do our thing, actually, as Amateur Online Talent. Because actually, mm. not too many people have done the whole thing where you start up your own broadcast and just kind of wing it from that point. But yeah, I, I would like, thing just, off. yeah, Go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's wrap off admin, because, mate, how have you actually been over the last few weeks? Because we haven't, we didn't do one last week, we took a week off, no, because yeah. the, the split ended, so we like to try and give ourselves a, a bit of time off. Um, how have you been? So I think... Um, uh, NLC finals was really good, actually, yes. in terms of the series. Fantastic uh, production. Yeah, there were some tech issues on the day. Audio was cutting out during pre-show, but the actual series itself was really cool. You know, it's one of those series where remember, like the um, the crazy juggernaut match that uh, Middlecut and I did that went to five games. Oh god, that to, was. I'm trying to remember if that was a Rascal Jester one. Was that the Rascal Jester one, which DFM? Lost? No, that would have been spring. No, no way, DFM have ever lost a Bo Five in the job. No, no, they, they lost the summer twenty one. Yeah, summer twenty one. They lost the it's summer um, twenty. Of course, yeah, they yes. lost the Rascal Jester. Yeah, yeah, they did. Anyway, it was stuff like that where um, you know, the, the series just gives you everything, and we're mm. sat there in this NLC finals where the second game is just a stomp, and it's zero two, and Dusty had us completely down and out, but. So that top line of Kerberos, the first cha- um, final he'd ever been in, he was reverse swept and lost. And uh, last Ow. summer, Dan Voxne, Dusty's AD carry, reverse swept Fnatic Rising and won. And Dusty pulled off the reverse sweep. And it's a good reverse sweep. It's a lot of good team fighting. It's crazy. I didn't think they'd do it. I don't think that. After the game two, I'm like, this team is broken. And, but I would have been mentally so boomed personally but after those was, first two. But like, particularly when you've got like Trouble and Hip Rain there, who've done the NLC scene in the Nordics in the UK for such a long time, the history was just, it, it was perfect. It was, in terms of the actual gameplay of the series, it's about as good as you get from a best of five. So I was really happy to be there on the cast and um, and had a lot of fun with it. So that's the um, 
that was the, the the casting side of things. And then I got to finish off the LEC regular split as well, which was obviously really, really cool, the tiebreakers. So yeah. I've had some really fun games to cast recently. Um, but yeah, uh, I've just kind of been existing outside of work, trying to figure out work-life balance and stuff. But we'll... I'm still trying to figure that out after all this time, Jesus. Yeah, they're not they're not the easiest things in the world to figure out. I'm glad at least work is going well for you, mate. Yeah. Um, now well, we've got to figure you? out the life part. Uh, well, well I mean, um, so between last podcast and this podcast, um, things have not gone to plan. I think is fair to say. Um, but when do things go to plan? Um, however, hopefully. Things are going to come out. I've been spending my time at least being productive. I have written nice. over 15,000 words um, about Magic the Gathering and why it's the greatest wow. downfall. I am still, I'm got, I, it's turned from like a 5k little fun essay I was doing to like okay, a full so blown why, why the greatest, mega like, TCG or It's the greatest game ever created and why Ooh. it had its fall from grace. Now, this is very opinionated. Like, it, in my opinion, in, like greatest, like. Game or competitive game? Game. Like game full stop. Jeez, game really? full stop. For me, it is well and truly, I have had some of the best moments playing Magic. Like, truly the greatest moments of my life mm. playing the game. And like, it, it, it encapsulates so many emotions, so many thoughts and feelings for me. It gave, it, in my opinion, it is the greatest game. Now it's not anymore. I can surely tell you that I right can, now. So I can see the arguments, right? Because mm. actually what MTG did was it had a wonderful local scene. Like it had a great local scene. You went to your local shop and you could play that. I remember when my uncle and it capitalized what kid, Friday actually. Night Magic was like going along to a shop exactly. regularly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. And I think in terms of like the local gaming store kind of. I mean, I grew up really. I didn't have local gaming store, so I didn't get to experience this. But from what I know of it, that was mm. really good. Um, well, it I know started a lot of people a... who'd ended up playing like Commander. It became a very social thing as well as the competitive thing. That was actually I can I can understand the argument. I would disagree. I actually think Dungeons and Dragons is is up there now Robert the problem is it's done Not enough bad game. stuff too because yeah. if you're talking about like that kind of archetype of things the fact that you can build your own story with dnd is incredible but then again it has as many negatives as it does positives because it's fostered a lot of negative interactions with the community as well and a bit of a both games are better than warhammer and I have to oh, say, but I just love Warhammer too. It's better yeah, no. than them, but I love Warhammer. Look, Warhammer is the kind of thing where I'm just like, I'm just like in a toxic situation with Warhammer, where I'm like, yeah. I know, I, I know, I still Everybody deep inside, is. still hold a lot of affection for it, but I know that I can never truly love it again, because like they. So I, I, I played a lot of Warhammer Fantasy. Warhammer. I played a lot of Warhammer Fantasy, and then I went on to 40k, and 40k was just like everything was given to that game, and Fantasy was eventually they had his legs cut off, and they were just killed the game. But like that, Games Workshop as a company is despicable like its business practices are effectively just like oh you have all these models let's make them irrelevant release new ones and you have to spend like hundreds of quid to get it up to date again it's like it's like genshin but like 40 years before and you, it's just plastic crack it's just it is known as plastic crack it will just find ways to make you spend money on something you absolutely don't need and ruins your life <laughs> yep great comic book by the way if anyone wants to get into magic the gathering uh cardboard crack it's a fantastic comic really? that started over on twitter uh no tumblr um and then has become a full-blown little thing of itself um yeah no wizard uh, magic is really weird because i've been i i went through the the history of how it became created mm. and everything i'm i'm like starting to get to a place where i think i'm happy with it but um i've got like two sections which are mm. very hard to finish 
partly because yeah. one is about the endless supply of products that they have been coming out with recently, um, which I have actually gone into a data analytical sense to um, emphasize my point. Mm. Um, and also why Pro Magic died and might be back. It could oh, yeah. be back, and I might be very excited, and I might compete again. But it also might be shit. I'm thinking so, I'm back, John Wick style. Um, yeah, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me right back in again. Um, <laughs> but ho hopefully in a good way this time. But outside of that, um, currently in a weird enigma. So that I'm, I'm throwing my mm. time into researching Magic: The Gathering, and hopefully some good news will be coming soon. Um, yeah. Well, things are like, so we were sat here and we're talking, actually, if there's just the two of us, we've got a bit of time to ramble because you don't have three people chiming on every topic. So we've got a bit more time to, to, to do some stuff. So I was watching earlier today a mm. um, bit of the podcast Side Select, which is Thorin, uh, Foxdrop, and Rich. Um, and they brought it, they did their awards show for the LEC. And things are the reason I ended up watching this episode is because someone pinged me and was like, hey, by the way, you were like mentioned in passing on, on the show. And I was like, all right, okay. Morbid curiosity. Let's see what it was. Um, anyway, I, it was a very fun podcast. I enjoyed uh, listening into it. But one of the topics kind of went around on-air talent. And um, it came on to a topic about the, the talent pipeline, effectively, for particularly the LEC, because that's where we're seeing a lot of talent come up. Um, I think that's the I think, only broadcast yeah. which actually has talent coming up, um, outside of, obviously, brand new broadcast being created over the last few years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has, like, the top-level thing. But what I think would be really interesting um, uh, topic of conversation, because there was a lot of good stuff in there with effectively in terms of like, it's actually just very convenient for the LEC to have NLC because it's in Berlin, a lot of the talent's still there. It's, it's in a studio, which very few amateur, well, not amateur, but like very few below top level broadcasting League of Legends have. Basically yeah. nothing does besides NLC, actually. Unless you're talking about Red Bull Solo Queue and there is Twitch. Prime... Well, Twitch is remote as well. Oh no, L LVP. P doesn't the Spanish no, but they're not have... in English as well as the thing. Oh right, you also mean in English. Well, yeah. well mate, so you win that argument. English language. NLC is literally the only thing which is like working model of can you just drag someone out of a studio and drop them in the LEC and see how they do. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting stuff there, um, but it's only about half the story because to hmm. get to that point, there is a whole lot of stuff below NLC, which is the amateur grind, the semi-pro grind, and we've been through this like over the last two and a half years, because we started, started 2020, and yeah. we've been doing LGL all this time. So I suppose like we could have a chat about the NLC stuff a little bit after that point, or whatever, like the, the step below the, the pro stuff is. But um, how about we have a chat about how, what, what LGL did for us in terms yeah. of allowing us to do the amateur grind and getting us into a position where we could actually go to the next step and what, what the landscape is like, actually, particularly for an amateur caster in Europe, because it's very different now than it was two years ago. We can talk about it from both perspectives. Oh, God. Uh, how do we open up this? Um, well, how about we start with, like, what, what, what happened with us when we were thinking about going into esports? I mean, we, the thing is, we didn't plan to actually get quote-unquote into esports. It was always a nice dream, or like an idea, and I think, I think that's that honestly the, a great... Hype dream. Yeah. I think that's honestly oh, the yeah, mental... The expectations of it, yeah. Yeah, setting, setting our own expectations, we were very low. We were like, if we can make a bit of money doing this for fun, on the side, this is sick. But otherwise, well, we were very happy just to like learn a craft. Goal, the initial goal was actually because... So we started doing it, and we thought... Let's get experienced, and then maybe 
we can get picked up by someone, sell the broadcast off, or or like basically, if we're not in a position to continue it, or we, we continue it with some money involved. And that particularly became a thing once we started to talking to the VCS English folks. Yes. Because they've been at it for a little longer. Um, particularly in our first year, they were a couple of streets ahead of us really with how they were doing a lot of stuff. Their viewership was much higher. They had a much cleaner product and we learned a lot from them. And they helped us a lot too. But our expectations were so different actually from then then what I don't actually think ended I up see coming out any of upcoming caster that I've spoken to, especially in the last year, mm. that had the same expectation as you, me, and Sam did. Everyone has way loftier, higher things. We were actually pretty anything. tame thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> was just yeah. Like, Let's just try and get a. Let's just see what we can do because particularly, particularly two and a half years ago, you didn't really see a lot of guest talent up to LEC. It was remote at that point. You still had Ender and Frost on the LEC. Um, NLC was very locked in, and UKLC as well, like the, the tier two NLC, and then you had the Telia series was also pretty locked in because you had a lot of talent who had been there for a while. And this is the bottleneck, right? Where you've got a lot of very yes. talented folks who are in a position where there's basically no upward mobility because you look at you look at a lot of your top tier broadcasts, and I think you can see this a bit in NA at the time, uh, at this time anyway, right now. When you look at the LCS um, talent, they just have so many talented folks, and it's very difficult to see people getting a, a a real full-time paid position which could work at that point. That's what we were seeing two and a half years ago. It's like, look, we aren't gonna find ourselves a position on a like a premier broadcaster. So we need to really find a way to get our own niche. And we noticed that LGL wasn't really being covered. We were, disc we were discussing either LCL or LGL as places we could cover. We definitely picked the um, better region. <laughs> God, nowadays, yeah. Well, I mean, God, for 2020, UL obviously got into groups and that was great for them, but we ended up timing our run really well. We ended we up did. timing it very well. But like, yeah, um, so that was kind of the, the situation two and a half years ago. It was like, all right, let's get ourselves into a niche. Let's just consistently do feedback and let's just see what we can do. Do it consistently and just pump our content and see what well, and, one, and one of those things was we just knew we it was going to take us a while to get good. Like we all, yeah. all three of us understood it was going to take us a while to get and we were Half starting at like okay level, right? Considering like we hadn't had on air talent experience. Well, you had you had a bit, right? But we were doing some podcasty stuff. But yeah, but that's it's a different mm. set of skills, as as we yeah, all know yeah. now, far more than better than anybody else. Whereas um, Sam and I hardly even did any public speaking stuff. I'd done some like public speaking stuff for gaming societies, and I talked a lot about the game in social yeah. settings. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think back to that time, and our expectations were. Fairly low, but that's effectively what the landscape was like. Then, and then, probably fast forward about, I mean, a couple of months, I suppose, and you've got, we kind of came into contact with some of the other. Well, I remember UK Bannon, casting Valence League, um, yes, and SQ1, and really. SQ1, and we did some Wang Yu stuff as well. And super I was doing Newell. I was doing you Newell got as Newell. Well. I was also doing Newell, but not League Newell. Not League. I was, was doing TFT, TFT right? and yeah. Magic when they still could do Magic. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know what Newell is, that's UK university scene. Um, yes. So effectively, we started off with our own broadcast, and we got some videos from that to apply. Well, I got some videos from that to apply to the broadcast, and then we kind of used that as footage to apply elsewhere. And then effectively, for I guess for the rest of that year, we were probably all on about six, eight, ten different broadcasts, like SQ1, um, a couple of like minor things for one you, a couple of like very local scene stuff too, right? But um, I mean, I, I mean, I there was, was no money in it. No, there wasn't. And I mean, to flashback to an old podcast episode when we had uh, Temporal on, I believe with me and Initialize, um, we called out. Yeah. 
um, to like when I was first getting into casting. And I think I was doing a stream and then I was jumping off a stream to go. That's something yeah. I was doing. I was like streaming all the time. I was like actually insane. Um, Matt might return to an extent. Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, where was I going with this? Right. Um, I actually messaged temporal to actually do some casting as a color caster yeah because he had like some unit like what was it was it an british or? army no oh, the british. oh no no i remember that yeah 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 i didn't was, get involved uh, in that but i remember you on that yeah yeah and it was like all these random things and like we would just take any and all opportunity and we yeah. didn't care if it was paid or unpaid um but the thing is we had the work ethic where we were like we're gonna do our own thing while also yeah. trying to find other things and i think that's something honestly um from a work ethic perspective i think a lot of other casters could really um benefit okay. from hearing um okay. try and find your own thing your own niche regardless of what that is because if you don't what where's your portfolio as you said you use your portfolio that we were doing to then apply yeah so effectively to kind of because we're talking about a lot of specific instances and it's great yeah, to yeah. about that but the overall point is that before the nlc there's like this whole just void of amateur casting which is very bottlenecked and our way through it was effectively i mean i know I ended up on average for the first year and a half of casting two years Evie. I was casting a game a day on average. Yep. Um, now, a lot of this was remote. It wasn't in studio, so it meant that I wasn't spending time commuting, so I had more time to cast and I could just roll out of bed. But, like, I was often doing, you know, a couple of best of fives a week, like two, two, three best of, uh, best of threes a week, depending on, on what was happening. Because with Valance League, which is an amateur league in EU, which takes mm. on just all comers, I was doing, like, two best of uh, threes a day sometimes, and then, like, um, doing that a couple of times a week. But effectively, what we ended up doing in the amateur grind, where there was basically no leads upwards, was let's just make sure we're talking about feedback every once, once a week, once every two weeks on the broadcast that we're doing. Uh, it took a while to get good at feedback and to receive feedback oh, well. Yeah. Because particularly for us, because when you're first on screen, sometimes you just, uh, you just kind of seize up. And you're just like, let's just get through this, right? And that kind of comes with this defensive mindset of like, it's hard to receive feedback when you've kind of had to close yourself off for it. At least that's how it was for me. But kind of opening up to the feedback and being like, all right, okay, let's just get better at this. That's what really kind of shifted things. Probably about halfway through the year, we ended up getting good, I would say. I think summer 2020, we actually did pretty it well. Took, it took, honestly, yeah, I think it would say it took us most of the spring to really get yeah. there. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, but, I mean, that, that was good. Like, we actually got mm. to kind of go through the thick of it with each other and then come yeah. out the other side and it's like, oh, we're all actually very proficient, yeah. if not above proficient, now actually pretty freaking good at mm. these things and it's like oh we've only been doing this for like a full split and what was so good for during that full split is we kept each other actually accountable like yeah yeah we were kind of in constant communication and we just like because it's it's three people it's kind of easy to it's not unwieldy it's just three people and it became quite slick actually which is in all fairness something mm. we partly lost uh, to actually kind of like like yeah, that's something we did lose because we've expanded to honestly 10 times yeah. that so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's a give and take it's a give, then, give and take but then eventually like we've done so much content and we kind of get to the point where like we do three splits of this and we're like okay we can't do this like three people anymore too many games so that's why i end up bringing on more people but effectively what ended up happening is that we use this cycle of effectively keep iterating in terms of feedback in terms of the vods that we have showing up turning up to every broadcast that we can i was doing this while i was a uni student as well um so i was kind of like financially secure for that amount of time it got through to the end of 2021 um and i was like all right i've done a couple of years of my games dev degree i was doing at that point and i was like all right i've got to i've got to try and make i'm gonna try and make this go full time but um it, I, yeah it was just 
interesting kind of kind of to to hear again like one of these uh, one of these other podcasts talking about the pipeline for talent where it kind of comes from semi-pro upwards and how i think one of the lines was effectively you know when when you're offered the nlc is like that's your big shot that's that's the crazy thing and i completely agree with that that was the case with sam and i coming out of like end of 2021 we actually got that nlc offer but it doesn't take into account like the huge amount of stuff happening beforehand and actually, a big thing happened back then, too. It's obviously the end of last year, which was the amateur scene and the grassroots scene was completely gutted. UKL, which is the big thing for you, uh, like UK casters, gone. SQ1 had gone. The Telia series, which is basically Div 2 of NLC, and then the UKLC, that was gone as well. Um, and you had like, I don't know, like 100 odd teams bumped down to about 10 in the second division of that ERL. So, in terms of like places you could actually show yourself on amateur broadcasts, was severely cut so at that point it's like oh my god i actually can't get my name out there at that point i have to jump at this and obviously sam and i ended up going well we need to be in the right place for our casting stuff we ended up jumping out to berlin at that point um so yeah that was kind of like our, our grind but the lgl was very constant throughout all of that to make sure that we can actually get our names out there continually perfect our craft and not everyone has that right now and I would suggest, no. actually, it's it's very hard to do that right now. There are very few constant, long-running broadcasts which can help you showcase those skills of storytelling, of getting to know teams. Like, we managed to perfect that a lot on the teams that we had in the LGL. Like, I can think back to Spring 2020, I can remember pretty much all of the teams that we had in terms of, like, how we built them up narratively. Axes had their, like, their Cinderella story. Rascal Jesters with the Mad Scientist. CGA were, like, the crazy can't lane but can team fight like gods team. Like, there were so many teams which had these taglines we had attached to them. But you can't do that unless you have long-running broadcasts. Like, actual leagues. And we've lost that now in Europe. And actually across a lot of the amateur scene. So, while we ended up building that up, when, the, like, the time to kind of, like, jump up to NLC happened for, like, Sam and I was like, we got to do this now, otherwise we're not going to have a chance to perfect our craft anywhere. Um, and that was kind of like our point into now that the more known pipeline, the one which is talked about more openly. But that's, I think, highlights a huge issue currently yes. facing the scene. That fundamentally, if you are not somebody like the three of us, where you're willing to just grind it out and then take the first opportunity that you can, and you're in a position to take that opportunity yeah. as well. And actually have the leagues to do that grinding on as well. Right, um, and we made one of our own, but like there are still several others out there. There are much less now. Yeah, I mean, there are still a few other leagues that people could potentially look at starting yeah. up and covering themselves. But even then, it's like you've also got to have the experience and knowledge and understanding of what it takes to set up one of these things. Mm. I know from talking to a few of the other unofficial broadcasts, like they they're astounded at the amount of work that we still do. Mm. Um, and, it, and it's not surprising because we do do a lot of work to make this thing float and to keep going. Like, it doesn't just keep going without any without people trying in the background. Mm. Um, and that is the, the that is and one to, of those very interesting... To come out of that the other side and go like, actually, I still enjoy casting the game and I want to work in this. Yeah. That's, that's a bit of another thing as well. You've got to have a certain mindset for it, which I think we've somehow managed to beat into ourselves and actually still enjoy the game. But, uh... Yeah, um, I just thought it'd be nice to kind of like chat about a little bit of the experience before, because I'm sure some of you who've been long-term listeners will know some of this as well, or follow us along on this journey, but um, for anyone who's kind of catching this for the first time, yeah, this is kind of the what we've ended up doing for ourselves, but uh, I'm not sure we could do that right now. If we started, it would be a very different path we'd have to take. I'm not sure we could do it as quickly or efficiently in terms of our amateur grind as compared to two and a half years ago. No, no, we were all in very unique 
pit parts yeah. of our life at that point. Um, and it was also the point that we couldn't go outside, so we almost made yes. the most of the that fact as well. It Being was uh, down. Yeah. It was it was honestly a perfect storm. Um, mm. And then also, like, the FM became relevant at some point too. You know, in twenty twenty one, that very much helped. Um, and then, yeah, actually, weirdly, when I was working, because I did a lot of UK, uh, like university casting, that ended that, up yeah. leading into one of my first NLC gigs in terms of guesting onto it last year. So like, all of these different things ended up helping out, but I I struggled to figure out what the analog. I mean, there is still some uni you, the, like university casts happening about the place, that's a really good place to get involved. But um, yeah, when you kind of see these people at this burgeoning level, when they were about to go up to your NLC level or like a Div 2 level or something like that, I, I, would, I would be really interested in catching up with some of those folks in terms of their grind as well, in terms of actually how, what they've done to get to that point. Because when I jumped up to NLC, and actually hell, even when I jumped up to LEC, I actually felt like I had a fair amount of experience. Now, a lot of that wasn't in studio, but the oh. amount of game time which I'd done was pretty absurd compared to a lot of amateur casters, even though I like, hadn't been at it Where are you going to get studio experience, though? Basically nowhere, right? Unless right. you've got, like, a local studio, like, some universities have it in the UK. So Rahampton has one. Um, but even then, that's not, like, full studio setup. That's just, like, that, that's kind of, like, one camera angle thing. Staffs Uni has one as well. They have an eSports course. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, when I was kind of, when, yeah, when we were kind of getting towards that level, you know, I had cast thousands of games. Um, by the time I'd, I'd gotten through to kind of like being in the NLC bucket after doing some guesting for them and whatever. So I was like, all right, okay, this is the shot. I think I'm good enough for this. No, actually, no, I know I'm good enough for this. I've just got to show it in studio. And it took a bit of teething process, but that's kind of how I ended up kind of stabilizing coming into NLC LEC this year. Because I think one of the things that I think as Foxtrot was saying on the sides like things that a lot of the people jumping up are people that weren't even like that, that established. So you think of like myself or someone like Sam coming up from from that kind of jump up to LEC. I think that you could say that less about your girl walking into trouble because they'd been they've been around. You know, they've been guessing on LEC already. They'd been on NLC for a bit longer and whatever, right? But even then, all of us in that situation, we actually have a lot of experience at that point. It's just yeah. it's tracking that different progress up to that point, and particularly our own story. We rocket fueled ourselves in terms of the amount of games that we ended up casting. Um, and a lot of that goes unseen because the pipeline below the NLC point, even if you haven't been around for that long, is just so obscured. It's just so yeah, obscured. At that point. No, no one's going to know the work you do mm -hmm. unless you either get the right person to see your showreel or the, the right per. Half the time, it's not even showing them the right showreel. It's just the right person sees the right broadcast at the right time, and then you might get an opportunity. And I don't mm -hmm. know where those right places, right times are now coming up outside of maybe getting a guest spot on LEC or doing some random <sighs> no, NLC. Or something or something else. Like it's, it's it's really hard. Oh, um, what I will say is, like, reach out to other casters. Like, so I have a yeah. couple of people reach out to me and ask for advice, and I absolutely encourage you all to do that. I do check my messages, even though that's not always wise all the time, being a bit more of a public figure nowadays. But yeah, I check my messages and I'll give advice. I know Ender as well has been really helpful for me and a number of others that I've reached out for for broadcast advice, particularly when it came to going into studio. Mm. Um, Ender gave me a lot of advice when I was uh, coming to that. Um, yeah, I, I would literally suggest just dropping a DM and just politely ask for advice and uh, try and give try and make a specific advice in terms of like, hey, I'm looking at uh, how to, I, you know, I'm trying to look uh, to improve how I tell my storytelling. Or um, in terms of how do I um, present these points in a, as a color caster, how do I do things in a time efficient manner when I'm trying to talk about the game? Stuff like that, you know, get, and maybe send a clip over as well if they respond to you. 
Um, that can be really helpful. But in terms of getting on the radar, yeah, it, a lot of it has to start with just your connections like that and just hoping that people get back to you. Um, it's also what I was saying to people at the very start, like find some niche that is yours mm. and just make oh, yeah. own it. Just own it. Um, it's it's a it's a topic and it's a thing that I learned from Disguised Toast and Ludwig, who are fantastic mm. content creators, obviously, uh, who had very different journeys into where mm. they are now. Ludwig used to post meme content around Super Smash Brothers, and Disguised Toast used to make broken videos about Hearthstone um, and try to get them to go high on Reddit. Like they they very different journeys, but they have very similar philosophies, which is oh, find your niche yeah, and then yeah. do that as well as you can. Build a small audience and then go from there, and hopefully that small audience can propel you somewhere. And it's a grind, but that's what LJLU was to an extent. And like we are now known as the LJL experts. Like I might not be on LEC and NLC, but people know me as an LJL expert, which is important. Well, we'll we'll get you there (laughs) one day. One day, mate. Get the ladder. Get the ladder. (laughs) Oh, not a very long one, thankfully. Yeah, he's tall enough. Tall enough. But um, (laughs) yeah. Um. So that was a bit of a winding topic about terms of, like the pipeline that you don't see and how like some things you might see or hear said about people jumping up in terms of guest slots and stuff. There is a huge amount of fucking work put in before you even get to that point. You know, several thousand hours and, and a lot of casts when you even get considered for your um, like your LEC or NLC debut. And let's be honest, a lot of people don't know you before you've made your LEC debut. That's um, actually very true. Yeah, like I, I, there was a there was a really strange thing where after I'd done like my first couple of LEC gigs, so I I think it might have been Quickshot or it might have been Vetti. I'm trying to remember. We're saying like I, I can't remember exactly who it is, but someone around this year was like, yeah, you know, you're probably more known now for you. You know, you more people have seen your work now than uh, any time before now, um, and that's true because the, you can grind out the amount of hours, but the couple of thousand games I did, <laughs> um, as much as they might go unnoticed. More people have seen me in my first couple of games uh, than on LEC than I've done in the rest of my career, which is a really strange thought. Um, yeah, so it, it might seem like people are popping up out of nowhere, but there's a whole lot of grind before that point. And, even, and actually, if, then I'm very interested in seeing what happens with the next crop of casters, because now, um, mm. yeah, because the, 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 the talent pipeline is a little different now. Nicole um, does a lot of talent scouting for the LEC. It's not... Um, on like so your quick shot or something like that who was doing some beforehand there's now actually like a dedicated talent manager um and nicole is keeping an eye on a lot of stuff um and that will be a very different pipeline to beforehand and i don't know how that's going to work out so i'm very intrigued oh, to see who's going to come up actually. after this point because some of them will be like the tail end of like the amateur scene that we also kind of came through but i'm i'm really interested in seeing what happens with the next next crop of casters and, and what their experience is of that pipeline and does it seem like they're just but jumped up out of nowhere because actually they haven't had as much experience or actually maybe they had tons of experience which we've just not found our own like we haven't seen that we haven't figured out the way to do that i'm really interested in seeing how that works and i feel like a perfect way to end us off is um all these brand new broadcast studios popping up in multiple regions for riot could also completely change things like Things are very much up in the air. I, I would say it's probably an exciting time if you're a Riot executive right now. You're probably looking at this going, ooh, we have a lot of things going, but ultimately I'm not fully sure. I also realized which picture I've also um, was about to transition over to, and that would be a very wrong picture to transition to because it's summer 21, not uh, 22. <laughs> oh um, so I'm not going to do like. Hang on a second. Why is Rapidester in second? <laughs> I, I saw Axis third, and I was like, "That's wrong. <laughs> that's very wrong." Um, 
but no, seriously, I mean, I think I think there's a lot going on currently over at Riot Games. Um, I mean, they've got all their games coming out. They've got their MMOs coming out. They've they've got the fighting games coming out. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm expecting a lot of change. Um, and for a caster, if you want to become a lead caster, I mean, yeah, as you said, Alex, DMs are open. We'll DMs are open. Find us up in broadcast. Um, and, and like, because there are two things, right? There's the visibility side and there's the practice side. The practice side, I would suggest starting with someone on a similar level that is like dedicated to it so that's what sam lexi and i did and you can give each other harsh but reasonable feedback and then also there's the visibility side which is go find yourself increasingly larger contacts and gigs and the rest of it and see how that works out because uh all of that ends up adding up but if you do things strategically and you end up learning well and doing feedback well it, it it's still going to take some time i have no idea it, it's definitely not a guaranteed thing but that's the best shot you will have at it i would imagine so yeah and have some advice and have people that can be you can actually be honest mm. with um, really important because all your feedback's not going to be mm. relevant. Um, and I'm sorry that that might upset a few people with um, that kind of tone. Um, but it, you do need to have people that are going to be honest with you, or you're not going to improve. Um, yes, and that's how like you have. You also have to get good at feedback too. Because yes, like, yeah. Because what we will reminds me of a recent like, conversation some... actually. Yeah, yeah. Because we had to take a while to not only be good at getting feedback, but also like giving feedback to you because they are actually very difficult skills to do. Um, and sometimes you'll get to know the other person and be like, all right, what are you looking for? But like, um, so for instance, um, you can't half-ass your, your feedback. You can't give people stuff which isn't usable, but you also need to make it constructive. You can't just say, man, you're really shit at this. And then just leave it at that. And it's like, wow, I'm so motivated. It's like, actually, so for instance, um, no, that's fair. I think we did some, I think we did some stuff about body language once for Sam, right? We did, And it's like, yeah. okay, so when you're trying to engage the camera, it's the kind of thing where like, you, you want to look not right at the camera because it looks like you're staring into the soul. You look slightly off to the side, and I remember this want feedback. To, and then you also like so. For instance, like what I'm doing with my hand here, because it's harder on webcam. For instance, that's what we're doing. You sometimes it's nice to have like a more open stance and like gesticulate a little bit because it helps you kind of actually have a lot of body language which you can't see from like most of my torso downwards, stuff like that. Um, and it's like giving some suggestions to try out. Or for instance, when hell, I gave I gave Melvin Dizzle a lot of feedback in terms of because he's so good at his game knowledge. And I'm like. I don't want to hear about game knowledge all the time, especially if it's a boring game. How about you talk about X, Y, Z and just think about like, think about the tonal shifts that you're doing. Is it too dry? Talk about something narrative. Talk about something funny that happened in your life recently, particularly because we have a more dedicated fan base. You can do that. It's more the LCK style of things. You want to give people like a suggestion to you like, hey, maybe you should try doing this next game or whatever and give them like one or two goals for each cast. And if you have like two goals for each cast and you keep building on it, that's a really good way of giving feedback. And we have to find that out. Like, we didn't know that from the start. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not a perfect blueprint. There's not, like, a Bible no. where you can go to something and be like, how do I become a good caster? Because the, the issue is, every game it's is... not a solved science. It's so different. Science. Like, the skills I was learning, and, and honestly, I had built for, like, four or five years when I first mm. started doing any casting, which was Magic the Gathering. I was well and truly trained already to be a mm. fantastic caster in that. Game died, so whatever, people. Um... <laughs> But I mean, I base so much of my thing, and it's a name that I brought up on the podcast before, Cedric Phillips. Um, he is a fantastic caster in mm. Magic the Gathering. Um, fan great podcast uh, and everything else. Fantastic personality and helped me with my dissertation and everything else. Like, honestly, great guy. I learned a lot from him. Bringing it over to League doesn't help me, though. It's a completely mechanical thing. So it it's really hard to kind of say one size fits all. Yeah. Uh, casting's hard, honestly. It is, and the industry is rough, but like, put it this way, just be heads up, see what niches are there, just get get better and get visible. Those are the two goals, then think about works towards that. Yeah, that can involve content, work on different broadcasts, reaching out to people. 
That's what I boil it down to. And then at that point, you start getting to the semi-pro level. And that's a different pipeline. That gets weird. That gets even weirder, right? In some ways. It's a very different thing. But um just so, be open well, I, once I you get to semi-pro to be open to talking yeah. about your salaries. That's but Oh true. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, if you have any questions about like if you're getting into ERLs mm. or the broadcast about your day rates, again, shoot me a DM and I'll I'll talk you through some stuff and try not to undervalue yourself because once you're known to do that, it gets very hard to defend your value. And that's a big con uh, conversation we've been having, a lot of people have been having recently. But uh, anyway, so sides like had their own chat about kind of getting into the LEC and then the NLC is kind of important to that. And there's a lot of things about that. Um, that's good standalone content. This is kind of just below that about how the hell did we get to the NLC and what happened before that point? And actually, does that change your perspective beyond that point? Nice to cap that off, particularly because it's just the two of us. It'd be nice. It was nice to... Bounce back a couple of thoughts. Right, should we get on to LGL? <laughs> we should, and let's start off by actually first saying goodbye to two teams who we will not have to yeah. talk about for several podcasts, and honestly, probably really till 2023 season. Sad as um, one of these teams were used to being here, and one of these teams is also we're used to being here but also they're not used to being here these are two teams we've gotten used to sometimes not seeing it's been nice but sadly v3 esports and axis are no longer with us i mean from our last episode neither uh out of the three of us we didn't expect any of them or either of them to really make it there was a small chance for axis but considering trajectory uh there was no chance in, in hell I was expecting them to make it. I mean, it. Uh, there was a slim chance because everyone was losing stupid games. But yeah, on the whole, we, this isn't unexpected that Axis and V3 um, ended up like going out. I mean, V3 took a, a scalp off of CGA to put them down in fifth, but it would have been the same. It's the same matchup either way, because we'll get I mean, onto that in a bit. But like, it I'll doesn't honest, change that much. I do think if you look at the end performance, I... Th I th I feel like V3 were actually a better team than Axis. And V3 did beat Axis. So there is some volition to that idea. And, and this just goes on to kind of like really hammer down the point that we we're saying that actually V3, even though they have the world record of all time for League of Legends in terms of loss streaks, competitive loss streaks, uh, well, in terms of world's qualifying regions anyway, yeah. I'm actually not sure. I mean, because, because there isn't very good archiving of not worlds qualifying uh um, are you like saying lolly sports isn't a good website for actually finding out information about your favorite or, teams or independent and leagues or independent leagues don't do their own archiving hmm crazy who would have thought oh. that? but um but like v3 were not the worst team of all time they <laughs> were bad but yes. they weren't the worst team of all time certainly in not spring they were the worst bad. team for sure oh yeah for sure but like even then zero and 21 for spring i Considering the amount of early games they managed to actually do well in, I was like, surely they should have closed out one of them. Like their I mid game mean, and late game was Wayne um, in spring. He, they shouldn't oh, have lost. Yeah. They shouldn't have yeah, lost. Yeah, there, there was there were a couple of games like that where I was like, look, this team is actually yeah. not as bad as we thought. And I think we managed to just about see that at the end. And honestly, three and nineteen is probably where I'd peg them for the whole split. It would just would have been nice to see the wins kind of spaced out a little, so we weren't as quite down on them. But yeah, I think V three. Um, they showed us that they could still pull out an early game lead, and there's something there. Now, I expect this roster to still explode over the offseason. I think it's a failed experiment, but um, yeah, I think I would agree that at the end of the split probably were better than Axis, who looked so headless. This team just did not know what they were doing. They couldn't play heads up. They didn't understand win conditions and loss conditions and when, when to or when not to choose a fight. Like They're both definitely the worst teams. I don't think it's like... It's, it's, it's splitting hairs a little bit to say which one's better or worse, but if I had to, it... it it would be uh, V3 over Axis. So. so I think I think if you I think to end this on a more positive note, mm. um, because obviously both these teams didn't make it, and yeah. 
I'm not going to repeat what you just said because I can. I've already said it, and I agree with you on them. Crazy. Um, I, to end on a positive way, let's think of a few players from both teams that I think I would like to see again. Um, so one of those for me would actually be Washide. I, I really liked seeing Washide in the league. Yeah. He was a Japanese top laner um, who actually kind of felt like there there are ideas of improvement. There are ways that they this player can get better as the splits go on. Um, and I would like to see. Um, more from them. Um, I'm not so sure if I'd like to see uh, some of the other players from V3, but Washide was definitely a bright spot for me. Have you got uh, a player or two? For V3, I mean, things are like, I keep remembering back to 21, where Unica and Yujo were subbing in for V3, and they're actually pretty okay. I wouldn't want to see them again on this roster, and I wouldn't want to see them again in a... Oh, this can be in any league, in, in, yeah. in well, any so, team. This is where I'm giving the context yeah. right. I think, course, Washi I think the top side of the map from V3, Washide, Unica, Yujo, if you put them as like one or one amongst two rookies and a more veteran team with actual shot callers and a better support staff, I think I would be okay seeing them again, just develop them a little bit. I think we saw that what should I this split has some potential. Unico and Yujo, we saw that last year more than this year. But I think, given the right circumstances, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a. Yu-Gi-Oh like, had bigger that. moments, but uh, honestly, then I'm just, ha I'm just hashing up. Honestly, Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. having a good moment, but then that was also the same and for Unica. So axes on things on an individual level, they had some like okay this moments. This is why from... I asked you the question because I don't know if I actually want to see any members of Axis again. Uh, I not don't to be rude, I, but like I don't know whether I don't know whether we're done with the Mega Man experiment or not. I mean, I'm okay with Mega Min for a third year. You know that. I, that's that's fine I mean, by me. <laughs> it's not like there's another like Japanese mid laner that's going to be. Well, you say that. Uh... I mean, I think there's a few academy players who could very much uh, take that's his true. place. You know more about that than me. But like, I think that Mega Min is like he's done a lot of growth since his initial split. Cause his first split was dog, man. It was so bad. It was. And then his summer in 21 was very good, actually, comparative. He found champions which made it work, right? And um. Just put him on Iron Spike Whip Champions, it'll be fine. He'll just clear the wave and he'll tie farm into teamfight relevancy. And that worked for him, right? As Lee Sen as Renekton. Um, um, I, think, I think a player that I, I don't know if we've ever seen his name in, so I'm going to quickly just double check that. Did he mm -hmm. ever actually sub in? Wait, no, he's he? not. Um, a player called Re. R-R-E. Um, I've been watching him since he was on mm -hmm. DFM Academy last right. season. He, he was on Scouting Grounds. He was in the second Scouting mm -hmm. Grounds team. I, I think he would honestly... He would probably be an upgrade for Mega Man. Well, it's easy and, to say that until they hit hit pro. Sure, but that's what sure, we kind but of like, I, Mega a player Man, right? he's actively currently playing against is uh, Cocoon at the moment. Cocoon, yeah. Who is? Oh, because he's playing CG. in both the academy. Yeah, because CJ's playing in both, and he's very much matching him. I would say Re is currently losing the skill based match at mm. the moment. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's bad. And also, this is best of one format in an academy yeah. league, which is very much not getting the support it needs. Please, um, please support it. Um, I'll say. Like, oh, yeah. for the rest of that team, Yeliyoshi, two constraints, Poppy's great, didn't really see much outside of that. Swamp is fine, has some good moments. Sangchu is fine. Um, Oscar, I was not convinced with. Dicey, I would love to be convinced with, because he's a lovely guy, but has also struggled. Now, I don't know what's happening with Axes. I can't imagine that's a very good team atmosphere at this point. They, oh, at they this point, no. Yeah, they've, they've switched through some players. It wouldn't surprise me if there was some internal strife with that team at this point, particularly when they've done so poorly. Um, I mean, it's like, the thing is, the only, I put it this way, I think the only people I would like to see back from these rosters are ones which aren't with a team like this. They're put into a more experienced team to develop. So I think that I would be happy doing that with, maybe you do it with Mega Man again. I, I, I could see that happening. 
top side of V3 is fine. Outside of that, I mean, Swamp and Shangchu are fine. They're just imports. So why would you do that? You know, what, do, do why, you really want to import them there? again? Well, that's the thing. Like, if they're going to be an LGL team, they're going to take up an import slot. So I don't, I don't know if I would do that. So if like, I was a team manager, I would be looking at Megaman and the top side of uh, V3 probably. That that's I, the only ones which I consider. And honestly, I I know we're going to talk about this team and the player later, but uh, Vical, yeah. uh, Vical. Uh, Vical, coach for Rascal Jester. No, 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 no. I, oh, vital. I mean, Vital. vital. Thank you. Game for, yeah, yeah you, you know exactly where my yes. dyslexic brain was going. Thank you, mate. Um, the both five letter V words. What could it be? <laughs> it's one of the two. Fuck. Um, <laughs> honestly, we saw an interesting experience with obviously a Korean mm. player from LCK Challengers. Now, I wonder if potentially we might just see a lot more challenger players now coming over to the LGL. Obviously, I brought up the fact that LCK. Um, the system is not fantastic at the moment, so there is a chance of actually making more money currently as a as a as a rookie yeah, player I or a really low level player. The challenges thing, but they've got, um, yeah. I never really. What were the footnotes of that actually? Um, teams get a lot more power. Uh, players right. seem to be losing power, but I thought it was mm. meant to be the opposite. So I've always assumed I've just misunderstood it. Honestly, I would imagine we're going to see a lot more challenges players going to one minor regions and the ERLs as well, right? I mean, we've yes. seen Chasey for X7. They just got Ruby in NLC. Yeah. Ruby, who's doing wonderfully in Prime League. Um, Five Kid and Harp have, have both, <sighs> yes. have both done themselves. Like, yeah, LCK Challenges is a hell of a talent factory. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see more people kind of leaving there because there's too much of bottleneck in LCK um, and there's money to be made elsewhere. Yeah, that makes like, sense. I don't think Sangchu or uh, Swamp were any better than any challenger like players you could probably have gotten out of. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think, you're, I think you're, you're fighting an argument which is hard because we know that currently it, when you do bring challenger players in mm. you, get challenger, you get players of honey-esque caliber. Um, but even then, Honey took a year or two to mature, right? Like his he 2020, did. His 2020 Absolutely was. He did. That's poor. fair. Like I mean, it was looking, awful. Looking, looking back on it, it was poor. It was awful. Actually, his yeah. spring in particular was very bad. Um, but then actually, come 2021, end of the year, he was maybe even the best AD carry in the league. Most important one for his team, I oh, reckon. MVP um, and everything. Yeah. But then the question is, you know, like because he was on, he was on Hawks doing that. He was on Axis for a bit. Wait, no, Honey, Honey, he was on Hawks and then he was. Where did Honey else? Where did Honey go elsewhere? Actually, I'm trying to remember the teams he went through. Actually, God, complete brain fart. Actually, because um, he went through a couple of teams, right? And it wasn't like it was obvious where he was going. Yeah, because he went from went from Hawks to Axes and then to um, Sango. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, it was the two yellow teams. That's why I can least remember that. It's the two yellow, yellow, yellow goes. But um, you know, it. I'm. It's very odd for that to happen for, in my mind because that's two different coaching staffs. Um. And two different teams, right? I mean, it's not like you're sitting in one place and gathering that one inf one kind of set of coaching skills and whatever, right? Or, or player skills from those coaches, rather. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing what the development process is, is for any of these players coming in. Are we going to see a multi-year plan for one of these rookies come in or one of these imports, rather? Because I think the Honey thing, I wonder if that's an exception. Is it, maybe I, it's I, think it's a, I think it's a complete... You anomaly. I don't think mm. you normally see that in professional play. I don't. I don't know many competitors in many games that you normally yeah. see them bounce around from team to team to team and seem to go from strength to strength and then have a split off at the very height of maybe their caliber. Mm. It's it's a super weird thing, and obviously we'll see them later. Um, let's actually go on 
to uh, one of our playoff matches, I feel. Yep. Um, goodbye, Axis. Goodbye, V3. We'll talk yep, about you it, next year sometime. <laughs> it's been great, but there's no reason for us to dwell on you for much longer. So, yeah. hey-ho. Uh, let's go for, um, I feel like, honestly, the easier match to go through, um, which is going to be the Fukuoka Softbank Hawks Gaming facing off against Burning Core. Um, now, I'm actually going to be hosting uh, this oh, yeah? best of five. Um, my prediction... Because I feel mm -hmm. like I, I like to do this. You know how I like to run the desk and yeah. shows. I always like to start off with predictions to start off the... Uh, to or set the expectations. Yes. My prediction is 3-0 Hawks. And anything else is um, a bit of a disappointment for the Hawks. Yeah, I locked, in, I locked in mine as well, 3-0 Hawks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was fairly obvious that the Hawks were th clear third best team like fourth three sixth were not particularly close to the hawks um but the hawks were also not particularly close to the top two either so that's in terms of like expectations that there's no way i think you could realistically uh, predict burning core especially after their last run of form as well they dropped the game to v3 they were not stable um and what this means is actually so we get to do a bit of a bit of narrative a bit of story time for this because this is a revenge match from spring playoffs. And that was important because that had a lot of um, connotations to you back in spring. Because in spring, you had the Hawks and you had Burning Core facing off against each other in the first round. Neither one had ever won a best of five in the LGL. They'd never gotten past the first round of playoffs. Now, we didn't have that many teams and many best of fives in playoffs up until 2020. So it's more of a modern era thing. The Burning Core were always mid-table. They made playoffs several times and then just bombed out the first match because they were against the top two teams. And they were very much mid-table even back then. But Burning Core finally progressed past the first round of playoffs by beating the Hawks. Now, the Hawks are coming in, and this is going to be a great chance to, like, stomp home a real revenge story. So I'm really looking forward to that from, from that perspective, even though the, the, the roster has changed and a lot of the, uh, the expectations have, right? I'm still looking forward to this to kind of be, like, the, the or bit of the, the org drama, I suppose. It'd be like, yeah, uh, Burning Core knocked... Uh, the Hawks out last time, Hawks get to return the favor. That's what I'm personally invested in, in terms of like the LGL historian aspect of it. Let's see if Hawks can get their first uh, victory in a best of five. I mean, from a from the perspective of um, like just an LJL fan, I think that's the most interesting narrative yeah. because otherwise this could just become a very sad to watch series. Because uh, it this could be one of those series where you just watch it and go like like the kid from Simpsons, stop, he's already stop, dead. He's already dead. <laughs> yeah, like like I can very much see this being a very sad repeat potentially. Mm. Um, well, not a repeat, but honestly, we watch we watch game one and then it's just uh, yeah. Hawk slamming um, Burning Court on red side. Which is currently not the thing. I like. I do think there is an interesting thing around side selection at the moment. Burning Core have only beaten bad teams on red side this whole season. Uh, they have struggled to adapt. Uh, they they perform a lot better on blue side, uh, but because blue side is actually the easier and better season uh, for yeah. competitive play and for more so for pick and ban reasons. Like, yeah, I mean, there are some teams which um, I think very much needs red side for a certain lane counter pick. So actually, the NLC finals, the one which I, just for, for ease of, yeah, I was casting it recently, it was a big thing that we used there. Yeah, like, they needed top lane counter pick because, like, the the top lane laning difference was just way too high um, in a lot of those games. Um, what they ended up finding was that actually the counter picks which they'd prepared for that best of five were a bit iffy, especially. Like, no counterpicks, they didn't really have, um... They tried Camille into it, and it was like, yeah, this ain't working. Um, 
So I think particularly in this one, I, I think I think the Hawks are gonna. Like, I I don't think they care. I I don't think they care about the champions like too much. I think what they've shown is they actually have a lot of depth in what they can play in mid jungle. There was a little bit of time in the mid split where I'm like, ah, uh, do they actually have enough picks? Are they just always gonna go like Wukong Ari? And then they pulled out like Viola Sandra and a couple other champions. I'm like, okay, you know, actually they do have a lot of mid jungle champions because. Getting onto that side of things, I mean, the Hawks are probably our easiest team to say this is the way they play. They just love playing through uh, mid jungle, right? It's Blank and Dasher, and they're, they're kind of the engine house while you get a lot of secondary damage sources on uh, top and bottom, right? Where you get your AD carry and yeah. um, so you get Marble. I mean, and, uh, Kansas, I mean, it's just they, an easy job. Their the heat map, if you go and look at the heat map on mm. Game of Legends um, for Blank pre 15, he just looks at bot and then looks at mid a bit. But, like, he, he's so hyper-focused in bot, and it's like, well, no mm. shit, like, of course, Reiner has, um, like, Reiner has one of the higher first blood percentages, as does Blank, both of them in the 40%, mm. the Hawks have a 40% first blood rate, like, if they get first blood, it's commonly bot lane or Reiner roaming mid, and it's happening there, it's never top, like, they don't touch yeah. top lane, it's a Blimmin' Island, and hilariously, I remember when we spoken to a few other people around this matchup, a lot of people are like, maybe Ray Farkey can do something. It's versus Kinatsu. That's the one player who's not Ebi, who where you go, yeah, I don't think he can Lane actually really do that because yeah. he's really proficient at doing one thing, and that's not losing the early portion. Even even when he played against Ray Farkey in their last matchup, right? I re I rewatched this because of meanwhile in oh, Japan is this doing one of the fantastic games again, actually. Um, no, this is where he's play uh, Kanatsu's playing Gwen. He gets he right. gets actually killed in like I, th I don't think it's first spot, but he basically gets taken out of his lane a little bit. He just scales and then he promptly gets a kill single-handedly uh, on yeah, Ray Parky yeah, later in game. game. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. well, yeah, if you don't actually hard shut down Kanatsu, he's not someone that just loses one wave and loses a kill and then just kind of rolls over. He actually stable, knows how to play. Right? Yeah. He's very stable. Um, and I think what the Hawks have done really well to um, allow Kanazi to be stable is just give him an easy job. They, I think the reason that they put resources bot side is... Um, so, this challenges a lot of what people have built up over a number of years about um, where do you prioritize as a team. Some people say, oh, this team is such a top lane focused team, or such a bot lane focused team. Mm. What is weird about particularly this year, actually, because of the way that they've affected teleports, so you can't teleport bot lane and bot lane fights, is... If you gank bot lane all the time, or you're continually playing through mid-jungle, that means the enemy has to respond in those lanes, right? Because if you're continually, like, dumpstering on bot side, the enemy jungle needs to come down. So which means that if you have strong early game champs that can force the enemy to respond, and you don't go top lane, top lane's isolated. Now, if you have a good matchup in top lane at that point, you can actually gank bot side while still being top side focused. It's really strange. So your top lane can win without you ever turning up top lane. You just go bot lane and force the enemy to not go top lane. So if you have a Shivana into an Orn, or you have a Gwen that's scaling up, or something similar to that, then your top lane is still getting an advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we see from the Hawks. And what, what's happened there is effectively, Kanatsu is good enough in lane that he's not going to get rolled over. I think you're completely right about it. He's a very stable player. It doesn't mean he's not being set up for success. His team just go elsewhere and just make sure he's never going to get fucked with. Like, it, it, he just never needs to worry about anything. Like, he's just going to be there playing out his matchup and he'll eventually just turn up to the right place. But honestly, to, to, emphasize, to emphasize this point to, to the umpteenth level, because I want to, and I want to call mm. out Ebby, because um, he is the most win top lane without, with, a, with minor assistance. But the guy, yeah. and I don't know if you know this stat off the top of your head, he's had 16 solo kills this split. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like, like spring 2020. <laughs> it, it really is. And like, this is just like exactly like to emphasize your point, like top laners at the moment, they're facilitators in a lot of the sense. Yeah. Like they, it's partly why Nah has grown to such prevalence at the moment in the meta, or at least my philosophy is at the moment is why he's uh, grown to- The new to... patch changes that because Mini Nah is a lot, he's lost a lot of base HP. So that's, he can play counts into him more. But like, particularly on a lot of the, the regular season, it was like, well, you don't really get to do much about this guy. He's just going to slowly accrue an advantage. And it's, Kanazi's also most picked champion as well. It's, yeah. uh, it's a, it'll be interesting. So, but the there are some teams that will play like Aurelia, Yone, not that many other things, but like stuff like that, which are like direct you know, uh, NAR counters. And we'll see as a bit, so I mean, Broken Play plays it in Europe. LPA play, LPL plays more stuff like that. Mm. And does just be like, okay, well, if we're going to isolate top lane, Let's do it with a cool duelist champion. And then sometimes you get some weird stuff where then actually the team's like, yeah, I don't really want to leave a Yone alone. That sounds bad. So you get some games like that. But on the whole, the way to play the game around topside is actually ironically to not play towards top. You go to the other side of the map, you're like, well, top lane's isolated and I'm going to back my winning matchup slash better top later to, to just win the lane. <laughs> Which, I mean, duo-wise... Flawless and Rayfarki. Blank. Okay, I, I I shouldn't I should do I should say them in the same way. Blank and Kinatsu. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's obvious by my pronunciation there of who which duo I would take gladly at the moment. And I think that's also honestly partly because of where the jungle uh, meta pool yeah. has gone at the moment. Like Flawless just has not been able to Flawless catch up. Flawless is not a facilitator. No. He's not a facilitator. And the problem is you are not going to be winning your laning phases. Not really. Rayfarki, um, it kind of sucks to hear this, but Rayfarki is not really a top tier top laner anymore. He has good moments, but he's not... He's not been consistent, and he's not had the high highs which he's had. It's not like 2020 where he was playing tons of Jace and just crapping on kids, or his Darius. Now, I think Darius is a great pick right now. And I it is getting banned a lot against them. Yeah, so. and, and I, think, I think that Darius should make a, a comeback at some point in the series. And I think that as Gragas has been fine, because he'll just have some teamfight impact. But yes, um, Rayfarki is going to survive the laning phase slash do well. Mid lane is like... Well, Dice has some okay moments, but he's not like a lane crusher. He just scales again, like on stuff like a zero victim most of the time. And the bot lane, you got Yuhi. So you need to have a facilitator somewhere, <laughs> and it's not coming from jungle on your way. Your lanes are weak. So you're not going to have a facilitator to save your early laning phase, which means that you can't speed up the early game, which means that the Hawks who normally wait a little bit, they're not very fast paced themselves. You have a really bad matchup here from Burning Core into Hawks. I, I just can't see this being anything else but a 3 0. I think even if they have a good draft, they're not going to hit Hawks early. They're not going to stop them from getting to the point where Marble and Kanatsu are issues and then Blank and Dash will start finding the fights that they need. And, and I think they're just going to fall apart. I, I think this is an awful matchup for Burning Core and I, it does not surprise me that the Hawks chose them. That's the so luxury revenge, of being... Let's see it. Yeah, that's the luxury of being third place, definitively ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Not going to worry about it and you get your side selection through at least the first two rounds. Um, so well, you're guaranteed actually for the first two rounds and obviously you're probably never getting side selection again because you're always going to be lower seed. But hey, that's how it works. Good luck to Hawks. Um, I'm expecting to see the winner of this next battle, as we've both said countless times. So let's go on mm -hmm. to it. I can't predict this matchup. Um, it is Rascal Justice facing off against Can't Guarantee Anything, oh, or rather known sake. as Crest Gaming Act. Um, 
Jesus. The battle of the 8 and 11s or something stupid like I that? 8 and 20? Yeah. I don't know. It was awful. 8 and 13. Um, 8 and 13. 8, 8 and 13. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, but, um, yeah, God. but then you consider that like, CJ have like some random losses which they shouldn't have lost in there. And uh, this... I don't know. I don't know about this one. I really don't because um, for me, this is more about what form Crest Gaming Act turn up in rather than Rascal Jester. Because um, this series is just bluntly over if Chris CJ turn up on, on their bad day because they can lose to any team in the LGL and Rascal Jester are still... They have proven that. Like, Rascal <laughs> Jester, like, even though they are much worse than they have been at any time in the last two years, which is really sad to see, actually, because they've just not reached that level, they're still out of the mid-table teams in terms of these three. They're the most stable, right? So Rascal Jester, I don't expect them to turn up particularly well or badly, but they'll turn up. CJ, this is a team which... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they can lose to absolutely anyone, and I, and it's it's very hard to explain why actually, because you know, they okay. should be a team which should be playing very consistently with their win conditions. They're a very easy team to predict the win condition of. Get hybrid ahead, and somehow it's just like they throw it. <laughs> so I I would like to um, hit the idea that I think um, Rascal Jesters, their mid jungle duo is currently the weakest we have ever seen it. Uh, Outside of summer 2020, which yeah, doesn't the, the, count. the Elo Hell roster, yeah. That, that doesn't, that Elo Hell, we don't count. We, we don't discredit Pink and his poor time that he had to do. He did the best with what he's got. Um, and that was a nightmare situation. Um, yeah. I actually think Hachimecha and Recap are currently playing worse in general the Cocoon and Kassin, assuming everyone comes in form that we're expecting. Yeah, I can understand that. I think that... I think Kassin is a bit more proactive. Than Hachimecha. Yes, I mean, Kassin's not had like the worst split ever, right? He's just not been inspiring. Um, he's which been is actually quiet some, which, is, which is something he has been for, again, his, he's been here for two years now, right? He's, he's yeah, crazy, yeah. It doesn't yeah, feel like um, it. Yeah, this will be like his, this this split will be the end of his two year tenure, effectively, and yep. then uh, he'll go on to a third, I guess. Well, we'll see if we keep him. But yeah, I think that, um, you know, Kassin is just the kind of guy that just has to go bot lane. Um, now, now, of course, you are into Solemn Secret, and there's a chance that they have a great revival, and you throw resources at them, and they just kill you. Um, uh, it's a little different, because uh, they've had their own issues with having Hatchimetra come down to help them. And the problem is, right now, is... So I've said this a lot about mid lane, because mid lane is no longer a 1v1 lane. It hasn't been since... It's 7, since 6 really. Most of mid lane is a 3v3 because you need to be very intimately aware of where the jungler is and where supports are in regards to support reset timings. Um, but bot lane is also, for the first time in a little while, because it was quite 2v2 in spring, it's now 3v3 in summer. Because in, in spring when you had like Jinx, Thresh, Aphelios, Senna, Tom Kench, stuff like that, it was more about your 2v2, just brute forcing, win the first couple of levels then your support goes roaming around the map and whatever in summer it's been more about can i kill the enemy lane can i dive the enemy lane can i push in the lane to invade the enemy jungle bot lane is actually a 3v3 i think in a 2v2 sense i think that i think that nema's been a bit um yeah no that's where i was gonna go mm. so um... i think in a 2v2 sense I, I think there's actually an angle for rascal jester right i think that solemn secret is still fine in the 2v2 good in the 2v2 even but like in a 3v3 Ah, uh, it's not been good. It's not been good for them. Um, so it depends whether the series, for me, comes about... Is it going to be straight laning Brawn from Rascal Jester in the TV2, or is Kassin just going to flip the table and Rascal Jester don't have the firepower to deal with it anymore because they've not this split? 
I, I honestly do think that's probably where it's going to go if you just mm. assume recency form and recency bias brought in, because honestly, the jesters haven't really been showing mm. up. Bot lane especially has not been a bright spot. Uh, they might not... They, they sometimes just lose lane. They just randomly miss a, a wave, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know where the fall-off is. I don't, I don't know what's happen to this team or these players sometimes players just don't work with metas but i just don't i don't really know where it's gone at the moment and and honestly the direction that i love that you took this was honestly okay let's let's throw this on crest gaming act i don't have any questions around hybrid i do think hybrid is just going to Hybrid's be a great. better yeah. ad carry at the moment through recent form than soul uh yes. then secret versus nemo i think is a fantastic point to highlight because secret there is a playoff chance that he will just pop off and we can yep. forget about everything from the last regular season. I do believe we have that still for Secret and Soul to an extent as well. Mm. Uh, but Soul's got a bit more difficult opponent. I think last time we saw Nemo really come out, it was around this sort of time. This was it was towards the end of summer, to the to going into playoffs with Axis. I don't think this is really the spot where he's going to succeed. Now, last time, mm. his threat, it was a Thresh slash tank heavy meta. It was all about protect your AD carry as best, oh, be the front yeah, line, yeah. Um, or this set your, front, your AD carry actually. as much as possible. This is not where we're currently at at the moment in the this meta. This is a really good conversation, because I actually had a chat with Kazu from DFM around the time of that meta, and we had a mm. bit of a messaging. Actually, was this around MSI? Was it going into No, world? I think this was summer. I think this was when like axes were doing really well. And mm. we had some messages trade. It was some tweets. Yeah, it was some tweets. It wasn't like a we did a couple of Twitter spaces at some point around spring, but this was after that. Where um uh I was like asking why Thrash was so high prio, particularly in the LGL at that time. Because there were some other picks being picked up elsewhere. Hello? So the logic goes like this. In the LGL, you have a lot of multi-language teams. The only one which isn't is uh, is is v3 because they're all japanese right well you'll have some other teams which will speak either japanese or korean in some case uh like sangoku when vital is in i believe that he's speaking korean all korean um, i believe yeah um but when honey was in it, it was speaking japanese but like they speak in korean when when vital has been playing dfm they speak in japanese but like uh dfm are like with the one exception because they have they the, the players which they pick up are, are very fluent most of the time but the, the, the long and short of it is, there are language difficulties in a lot of these teams. Which means that when, you're, when you are talking about, in-game, very complex macro things in terms of, let's look for this, wave timing is at this point, I'm slow pushing to here, let's rotate at this point. Some of the nuance can get lost because you don't have those language skills, which means that playing a wider map in the way that the VCS does when they play a lot of side laning. Um, and you see that I love that you brought right? the VCS up for this. <laughs> I, yeah, because it's a great example, right? Because it is. They are. They're a very scrappy single language region most of the time, right? Um, or, or of course, you know, you're, you're China or LCK, right? Um, but like in the LGL, you don't see a lot of side lane play because of language difficulties because it's hard to, it's harder rather to communicate those um, nuances. So a lot of teams find more success in playing front to back, peel back team fights. So when it came down to the hyper carry matter, when you had Nemo, Nemo and um, Honey on axes. It was very easy to just say, look, they're not going to play the wide map. They're going to dive into us. We're going to have a long range AD carry. So Thresh is the perfect champion to deal with champions diving into me. So Nemo could very easily just hands off, just be like, I'm going to save my skills when they jump into me. And then when they use all their stuff, I can then chase them down with like a flash hook or whatever and like do some cool mechanics at that point. But on the whole, Nemo in that meta, because of actually the language difficulties of the LGL, the butterfly effect is Thresh is a great champion because no one's playing split maps and all you're dealing with is people diving into you and engaging. Butterfly effect. 
Which is not currently, though, where the meta is at this no. moment in time. Um, which is, honestly, I think that's why I loved what you brought up. Because, honestly, I think that could be maybe a point, a weak point even, where if Rascal just find a way to exploit that point, you know, it's the weak point in the armor. Mm. If you can find a way of really opening it up, it could be the, the leak I would point. love to see Recap go back to Vega or play something like Talir a little bit more. Oh, uh, I, I don't know why he's not playing Vagar anymore. I think the champion's still perfectly fine in pro play. I I, I, I think it's perfectly fine, especially, especially yeah. in somewhere like the LJL. No no offense to all of our players, right. but like, I, I think, especially in this matchup, um, mm. I think he could perfectly, he could probably play Syndra I play and Vagar. I think he should play Talia. Just play oh, yeah. Talia. It's super easy. And like, if, you're, if you want to play towards bot side, champion. make your... Make your mid lane super easy. Just play like Poppy yeah. to Leer. So if they want to play their weird oh, shit like LeBlanc or something combo. like that, just be like, okay, I'm just going to shove. I don't need to worry about laning phase and I'll just roam first. Now it's different. Be, now Rascal Dust would then have like an early game burden to go like, all right, you're pushing in lane. Now what? Because Hatchmatch has not been great at using that either, right? He's been looking for some stuff, but it's not really been great. But um, I think if they start picking up stuff like Talir or, or push and roam mids, maybe that helps recap again. I'm, I'm not too sure, but if I was to triage some of the mid jungle issues, Maybe that would help. Um, and if they make that adaptation heading into this best of five, maybe they come out a little stronger. Um, I still think it's going to be quite close coming into this, right? Like, we're getting a lot of conditionals. We've been a little bit iffy. So, I guess. You want to talk we... about close? The top lane, which we haven't True. talked about once, I, because I think these two players are perfectly evenly matched. Um, I don't I think there's going to be an stable. edge. Like, that guy is Mr. Consistent. He's probably the most consistent top laner outside of everybody. I know we talked about Kanatsu, but I know he's like, this guy's a rock. This guy is just, thing, he, like, he's unflappable. Always brings the same value to every game. But then that's what I think Nap is, what is the beauty of what Nap is currently doing yes. for CGA, because he is that X-Factor point, which I would argue I know currently isn't, and has never really had to be an X-Factor point in most of his career. He's just be Mr. Consistent, as you said, and I, I would agree, he is. I would argue, though, that I think if you need someone to be an X-Factor, having your top laner be an X-Factor in this best of five could be an angle to find that one extra win um i guess if we're gonna twist our arms to for predictions nymera i'm gonna go three two because i think we'll get the full five games out of these uh, two teams and it'll be cga because they've got side selection I that's where i'm going with it i think it's entirely based on prep and whether Wait. any of these big issues have been sorted i think if rascal dresses have Did just have a band-aid measure for mid jungle it's 3-1 Rascal Jester. If they don't, okay. it's 3-1 CGA. I think it's 3-1 either way. I think it's close enough that you'll see a game sniped from one side. Particularly oh no, if Rascal it's like Jester have side selection. Ooh, that changes it. I, I, look, I, don't think, I actually don't think side select matters that much. I think it's more about what... Because I don't think they will have prepped for whatever the hell the other team is prepping in the first couple of games, right? It will be some adaptation. I think that it will get a bit funky around about like game three, game four, um, if it comes to it. But um, yeah, I think if, if Rascal Jester have... Something sorted out for mid jungle, even if it's just a couple of picks, like I said, the Slayer or whatever. I think I think that tips the balance to them. If not, I think they really struggle. I think that Nap has been too good at killing Eddie carries, and they need their Eddie carry to do really well. <laughs> this that, is Nap Akali. It's like, well, Soul can't fight. So that, that's a fair point. Uh, and then who else in Rascal Justice is going to be the carry? Like, like, serious question. Like, we're not in the jungle carry meta now, so um, good luck to Rascal. You know, Justice. you know, like that 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 TikTok star who just kind of looks at you and just goes like, just there is Sol. 
That's it. Yeah, so I, I think that that's the way I categorize it. Look, so this one is very, very close. It's only it like is, yeah. 10% in it, probably either way. Interestingly um, enough, you want to know what condition... the betting websites are saying at the moment. What are they saying? They are horrend. They are hugely siding at the moment with Rascal Jesters. Like uh, betting like, CGA, then if you're a betting person. Oh, I think if, at the moment you can bet like a tenner on them, and you'll get something like twenty-five, twenty-seven pounds. I got back, which is yeah. great odds, by the way. Um, yeah. so honestly, now, um, I, I don't like. No, I will preface and say I'm not a betting person. Bet responsibly if we're ever going to talk about that shit. But if you're going to, this would be my pick for it. It's a close matchup. It's a close matchup. And that was on one site, so who knows yep. if all the other sites are like that. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're not sponsored yet. But hey, who knows? Maybe a crypto website wants to sponsor <laughs> us so we can do a podcast and get paid for it. I don't know. <laughs> who knows yeah. nowadays? Who knows? Um, let's move on, though, to yeah. the match that is probably the most exciting match to talk mm. about. Um, and that one is going to be... Sengoku Gaming in first place, taking on Detonation Focus Me in second place. Now, we first mm. do have to explain to lovely people out there, because they won't potentially have seen all of the build-up to Sengoku Gaming versus DFM. They won't know why we're going, ha-ha, Sengoku first, and then wow, we're kind of joking crazy, about huh? it. So, these teams, it, during the regular season, went one-for-one one fairly. Right, these were two games where Sengoku got the edge in the first round, Robin. Mm. They were prepared for DFM. They smacked them. Second round, Robin. DFM won a tear. They smacked Sengoku. It, it just felt like these two teams were prepared for them when they were coming across. In the third round, Robin, ladies and gentlemen, Sengoku Gaming um, were on red side. Uh, DFM was on blue side, and DFM had drafted a composition. They had played this game to a point where DFM were decisively winning it. And when we're saying decisively winning it, we're meaning they got the Korean bug reset, which everybody was talking about. And I'm going to pass to Nymera for more yeah, context. So the, the bug was, if you took Hexflash... Um, uh, yeah, if you took Hexflash... There was like a, I can't remember what the situation was, nor do I know if it was public, so I won't speculate on it as well. I, I look, I get a, I, I actually get like the bug reports now, so I'm like, ooh, I know what caused XYZ stuff, even though I'm like, you just get copied into like the company wide email stuff, and I'm like, huh. Oh, that's what it was. Sure. Anyway, Hexflash, this is publicly known. Hexflash basically made a couple of champions like instantly respawn. In LCK, on the same day that this happened in the LGL, it happened at the end of the game, and people were like, wow, isn't that funny? And they paused and it was like, ah, oh, well, whatever, we won't do a remake, and the game was over. Um, it also meant that after you respawn, if you're a poppy, you actually couldn't use your passive. So, like, important. you couldn't use your passive. It was like, ah, oh, this is no a problem. Shield. Uh, you couldn't use your buckler thing. So then in the LGL, between Sengoku and DFM, DFM uh, was usually in the advantage, and then this bug happened uh, where poppy dies on the enemy team and respawns. Um, and the pause is like two hours long. It's decided to be a remake because there are very specific rules, basically, where... Oh, this is the other thing. It breaks Chrono Break. Chrono Break. Um, the game is like irrecoverable oh, at that point. Like you couldn't remake it without the bug happening. Um, they couldn't so even go five minutes have later. To be apparently, like a full remake, not just a Chrono Break. So you'd yeah. have to redraft, replay the game. This is after like two hours. And um, the oh, reason by the way, if anyone's were, like, searching out mm -hmm. for a vod of this, we will have a vod of something going up on our YouTube. It'll probably be the original match. We haven't done the replay match because uh, reasons. Yeah, uh, so just to make everybody aware of that. Yes, but um, effectively, you, there are very specific criteria to just forfeit it and just say, look, this team was too far in the advantage, even though DFM were winning that game. Like, that, there was like 10,000 gold ahead and they'd done. taken Baron. It was like, okay, they're winning that game. But um, there are very specific 
um, criteria for ending the game. I'm just saying, like, look, we can't something remake around next so turrets, turrets, if I remember something right. Like, it's like ten thousand gold plus plus a certain amount of turrets or whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah. if there are, if, there, if there are like if there's a nexus or turret down, then it's like and, and, whatever. And to bring up, obviously, Riot mm. Japan has different rule sets to Riot Korea, which have different rule sets to Riot. Um, They're fairly NA. aligned on this one. I feel like. Oh, I feel they, like that's this, that's good. I feel like that's this one, but I do think. They're all quite outdated, which is why it's like I think I agree they didn't. With you on that. I, I, I'm going to imagine that this wasn't a likely foreseen scenario. I don't think they've think thought about. I don't know whether they've thought about this for a while, but it probably needs to have a look. The at amount of bugs currently in league at the moment, in all fairness, with the TP bug at the but, moment but, as but well the, going on. The other thing is like you can't really change rules mid split. Um, no, no, absolutely, it's a rock and a hard place. Well, yeah, the, the bullets flow in the chamber at that point. You can't really do much about it. So it's like, well, yep. can't really deal with that. Um, but yeah, so that was the case. And DFM had to replay against Sangoku and they, they got beat. So they played basically glorified best of two. And um, Sangoku ended up... Uh, well, it went one and one. one. But yeah, it, one the one more one. important one to win was the second one, which yep, is... Uh... That's the only one that counts. Yeah. Now, I do think, actually, ironically, this is probably very good practice. Because going into the series, we know it's very, very close. Um, but DFM now have a little bit more footage on how Sengoku would try to answer them about certain drafts and whatever. So they basically have an extra game versus their um, closest rivals. And I think that if there is any team that is going to benefit from more footage and more time to prepare, it is DFM. I think they have the best coaching They've staff They've said in the that league. to us! Um, yeah, <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, I think they, I think they are the, the, best, the best coaching staff in the league. Yeah, it's tilting as hell, but um, I think losing the side choice, it, obviously it sucks, but I think that DFM in this series, thinking back to even the series that they had in spring, the five game one was still closer than people th and it was still more dfm sided than we think right because one of the games they lost they were hilariously in the advantage and they just kind of overdived a couple of times the other one was like a genuine crazy single could just smash them but yeah. that means that four out of the five games they were you know winning and then like three out of the games they ended up winning and then in the upper bracket obviously three owed them um so i look at this and i think that sengoku have i think it's say i'm gonna say it's a in terms of winning the entire split i'd give them like a 25-30% chance of winning over the course of like winning juggernaut match and then into winning finals or whatever however that route plays out I think that DFM are still coming in heavy favorites here what about you? Do you I, I've got to ask this question mm -hmm. before I give my perspective because you just set me up for it do you think Sengoku could drop a game to anybody coming through the lower bracket? Drop a game first. I'm just gonna say one game. Depends if they're demons about early game turns up again. If they're kind of like really imprecise in early game. Oh god, but hawks aren't good at that either, and hawks aren't gonna lose in lower bracket. Okay, so if someone else lost in the upper and lower bracket, what would happen? Crest gaming act, boys and girls. Let's. Unironically, the highest chance they have of losing a game. Yeah. Oh no, but. The yeah, no, the highest chance they have of losing a game is either they flub early game and they let, they let the Hawks get into a crazy good scenario against them. I think, I think the Hawks have, like, a chance of taking a game... A game off them. I don't think I'd give them two, but I'd give them one. I think it could go 3-1 okay. to... All right, to, that, all right. so we're in accordance that. All right, cool. cool. Uh, but then CGA, I mean, there is the absolute cursed run of, like, CGA coin flipping their way to a finals or something, but... You know what? That, if it was going to be any time... God bless hybrid and like Kassin, because yeah. their their careers are, are about to go from well we don't yeah. know where they're going to actually the moon if you can hit a finals like that beating a Sengoku True. gaming like this uh, a lot of eyes will come on you I can guarantee you that for sure um yeah so DFM versus Sengoku gaming um I 
I do agree with you. I do think it is slightly DFM favoured. Uh, they are a team who has purposely made mm. it known to us that they love to see footage. They love being in the Juggernaut match so they can watch everybody in the loser's bracket. They love winning the Juggernaut match yeah. so they can then watch the, the semi-finals. So, and they've also done, when they've fallen into that spot, they have done the mental mind games to fuck with people yeah. to get them into the finals. They are very, very good at this. They're an extremely one. Um, I mean, thank you, Kazoo, because he's actually a gigabrain player, uh, mm. a coach. We've talked to him. He's also a gigabrain player, in all fairness, actually. Um, also beat Dan Wonkia. Almost. Almost beat Dan Wonkia. Should have beaten should have beaten. I'm never going to get over that one. Um, ah, yeah. um, but yeah. outside of that, though, um, I think if there is going to be an interesting spot, I'm excited to watch mid lane. Um, Jet and Yaharong have honestly been just like jostling one another to be best in role. And honestly speaking, while we have um, definitively come down in one sense, uh, when our all-pro rankings come out, which should be just before tomorrow's broadcast, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. We'll talk about we that maybe be, next episode. That's, that's good uh, enough content for them. <laughs> it is, it is. It's it's partly for the, the broadcast mm. and also partly for us to recap on here uh, and yeah. to highlight, because I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, other than that, though, sadly, I do think Paz is about to get absolutely smacked home um, by Abby. Um, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be pretty, actually. No. There were some points like earlier in the split where it was like, well, it's an okay matchup, whatever, but like, Ebby's yeah, been yeah. solo killing everybody. Like, Again, even like, Kinatsu this just, this at this point. Comes, so, but this, like, comes down to the point where it's just like, DFM can play towards bot side, play towards wherever, and Ebby's just going to, like, he's. Ebby's the only player in the LGL that you cannot answer. Like, no one, no one answers Ebby. He is the unanswerable advantage in the LGL. Like, it's like, it's like how Caps was for a little bit. Well, for a long time. It's honestly what Boogie was like um, in 2020 but, for well, us. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. true. It's just like a player that is so far ahead of the rest of their role, you know that you are passively going to win through them, which gives They're you so many options. Spring. Yeah, you, you can just, you can just like, you, yeah. you can just like play, you can either play to this guy or play away from him and you, you just have incredible rewards from, from this guy just winning. Yeah. Honestly, a gorgeous talent. I'm amazed he's still in the LJL. We'll have to oh, yeah. see if he stays here for another season. I hope he does, but if he yeah. wants to go elsewhere and play in LEC or LCS for like a retirement season, mm. Ebby, go get that bag. You deserve it, mate. Go get that bag, then return back to uh, Japan and do a bunch of community tournaments again, because, mate, I salute you. Um, outside of that, um, I think bot lane will be very fun to watch, but I, I don't think there's an edge, honestly. Um, just consistently, honestly, giving more praise to Sengoku Gaming. Um, I think mm. Enti, especially, has been a player who has gone yeah. very underappreciated oh, yeah. by, I think, the wider community. The um, greatest way for me to put this is mm. most times when I thought about Ebi in the past, uh, not Ebi, Enti in the past, like, I'd have some negative to say about him, but say he was consistent. I haven't had a bad thing to say about Enti um, Split. Like, the, considering Vital has been so good, I'm actually starting to readjust and think actually how much of that is also NC being really good too. Like, NC has been probably the most consistent non-DFM player we've ever had. Is, I think that's fair to say. I think he has been the most consistent non-DFM player. Probably historically maybe, wise. Maybe you could say Hachimetra, but Enti's actually had better results than Hachimetra over time, I think. I guess you could technically argue it's Paz as well, because he just keeps making he worlds and international. Splits, though. But oh, he but yeah, but had that, a down split too, actually. They both had the same time. Okay, um, he's up there, though. He's in like, Oh, absolutely. Remember, I, he was that player yeah. I kept championing going, he always makes playoffs. Yeah, top three. And then they, and then he always and made they top three, right? It's fucking crazy. Um, 
but then like he's he's probably locked for top. Well, no, he is locked for top three now. So yep. by making and Juggernaut, once again, so he's back on form. So I I look at this guy and I think like he he's multi talented. He fills the role and he he's just been generically very good. And particularly since one of the strongest points of Sengoku is that laning phase in the TVT, mm. like Anti's a big part of that. So yeah, I think let yeah. I, I think you're right. I think he has been underrated. I think that he's not been very visible because Vital has been so good for, for Sengoku. Um, and of course, Hun Honey before that as well. But Enti's yeah. had a hell of a split. Good credit to Enti. Um, I'm excited. Harp is obviously still absolutely insane and Udapon is just Udapon. Uh, there's not much more to really say about the DFM bot lane. They are still insane. Um, and I honestly do think, um, while I don't think they are necessarily favored just because i think that just to credit sengoku gaming i think the bot lane is more 50 50 i don't think the edge is going to come through the bot lane plays um outside of maybe just minor mistakes being capitalized mm. because i think both sides of the coin could do that um i think it's going to come from the top side or and this i know is a bit sacrilege to say i don't know if once can quite match up to steel in a bo5 I'm using that steel caveat of is... BO5 in it for steel. It it depends whether we get like semi-finals once against Rascal Jester last split. Oh, like that he was, was so, so good. good. So um here's some oh. light homework for anyone that wants to read up on, on this stuff and get some guys prepared <laughs> for it. Game five, semi-finals. Um listen to our cast of it, because I think we talk it through really, really well. Because there's a lot there's basically there's a lane swap. There's a lane swap which comes through and once just completely neuters it. Like, once is just incredibly good at covering where the enemy jungler is going to be. And he, like, saves the dives and everything. So I think that if once turns up on that kind of form, um, I think that DFM have sometimes been very aggressive and gotten away with the fact that other teams don't know how to play early game. I think if once turns up like that, it gets interesting. I still back Steel. I think that even though once is great and has a great split, Steel's had the best year of his career. Um... I have been, in the past, a bit of a Steel hater. This guy has been orchestrating so much for DFM. Um, well, and part of so that yeah. comes into the fact that, I mean, when Once was doing this, it was against Hachimecha. Whereas True. Steel is just... Steel is terrifying because you can watch the minimap sometimes in games, and you get, like, seven or eight minutes in, right? And this mm. is sometimes where some other junglers in the league, they start dropping off and they're not pinging as much. And you can tell them they, they're not quite sure where the enemy is. Steel always knows. Like, it's... Mm. I would actually they're be scared. Really good. Um, they're, really good. they're really good at tracking. Um, and within that, uh, the laners are really good at using that information to benefit them. And it, it's just... DFM is a well-oiled machine. Um, I'm not... Um, to, to say something we have said before and several times during this podcast season, to make everybody aware, especially during summer, this is not the DFM of 2021 summer. No, it's, it's I, not. It's, it's not. not. That, that was a very special roster where a lot of things came together at the perfect mm. time. Gang offered and brought something that Harp still hasn't quite filled. Now... It's he's an bringing it a little bit now, he is. actually. I'll he say he's really is. getting there. Because if you look at, actually, the, the game that gets replayed, like the, the original game of um, DFM versus Sengoku, he plays Morgana. He absolutely yeah. tears Sengoku a new one. He's like flash binding very early on and just killing people left, right, and center. I think Harp is arguably the best player in the LGL, actually. He's incredibly good. He's also shot calling for the team. I think a lot of why Steel looks very good is because actually Steel and Harp are good and jungle support is yeah. the most part of any top level team and the most important part of any top level team. I think that's why you see some teams fail, even though they have very talented individual players. If their jungle support is not doing well, then 
then it's str you struggle to showcase your talent outside of that. I think that because um, I, and I think that Hart, because he started coming into his own as a playmaker and doing some a bit more of that special magic, which Gang used to do as well, as well as being an incredibly good laning support, I think DFM are, once again, much like 2021 DFM in a separate way, starting to improve into summer. And I think that should this team go to Worlds, I think that we will see an improvement of them from, uh, from SI. Hopefully, but we say that all the time, so, you know. I have a lot of worries about Yaharong internationally, uh, yeah, but it's only Yaharong. It's but... only Yaharong because of what yeah. we saw last time. We know they have, mm. they definitely have tilt problems. Um, whereas, uh, I don't know. It's like, can I just? I, I don't want to do this, and I, I this is mm. incredibly disrespectful. Um, so I don't naturally mean it. Um, but in a world, I would love to just have Jet be sent as the mid laner, just because Jet just, I don't know, he just brings that extra level, I don't know, I, I, you're, you're probably mm. literally tossing up between two hairs, like, it, they're both as good as one another, or they bring different things to their team, so in all fairness, actually, I'm just gonna shut up, and just <laughs> conclude that, um, we're both going DFM, but it's gonna be a tight series. Yeah. So, so what we've done in this segment, to wrap it up, is, we've given a couple of moving points like moving uh moving parts to say if this happens this will affect the teams this way but with all things said and done we think dfm are favorites so there is some mobility in particularly in the jungle in how once can play defensively um in terms of early game that might affect this matchup and then uh also how bad can this bad top player matchup go if ebby just starts running them through then 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 whatever that's crazy right it might but just be whole, a three i think that again. dfm are coming in with the advantage uh yeah three one three one dfm could be a 3-0, actually, if they get a good enough read. I mean, if um, it is, it's a repeat from Spring. Mm. I which think it's very... Be Look, D DFM still have this issue where they occasionally overdive and just give over free games where they shouldn't. But on the whole, they've been very good at closing out games. So I think we'll see, I think we'll see a 3-1. And then, and then finals is where things get funky if they get to uh, do anything more after that point. I mean, you just assume at that point, realistically, um, it's just going to be Sengoku probably repeat, and then you get the true BO5 because finals mm. always uh, turns everybody on, um, as they say. Um, the reason, ladies and gentlemen, we ran through all of those is because actually, by the time you listen to this next podcast, we will have actually had all these matches already unfold. LJL is not having mm. its slow playoff season as we have normally done. Uh, we are going to be rapidly going through this. So uh, tomorrow we have got the match for the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks Gaming facing off against Burning Core um, on the 26th. So that's going to be Friday um, over at 10 o'clock, by the way. All of this is British Standard time i think is what it's called um will be friday and that's going to be 10 o'clock rascal jester facing off against cross gaming act and then on sunday we will have sengoku gaming facing off against dfm oh nightmare what it's a very what an condensed episode. schedule that yeah it's it's a lot of games of ljl action all mm. happening in a very short space of time um and we're gonna be really knowing we're gonna by this time next week we're already gonna know one of the teams in finals yeah. We're going to know the two teams that are about to face off in the lower bracket match, which means and, we're also going to be having a... And whether like any of those teams are actually good enough to knock over the top three. Like, yeah. That, that's, and, uh, you know, we're expecting them not to be. Not to, like, kill the hype around playoffs, but, like, top three are... I if mean, you're listening got, to this top, podcast, top two, you want to know. Yeah, if you want to know about this shit, like, top two... Well, obviously, top two, very, very clear-cut right now. Unless we see a huge improvement from one of the fifth, uh, fourth to sixth place teams, or the Hawks just, like, go up another level... 
I uh, I am confident in any of those teams really bringing bigger guns to bear, shall we say. And if you're interested about our world's opinions and our teams going to world, you're going to have to catch our next episode because mm. that's not what this one's for. Nightmare, I think this is the time that we should close ourselves out. So, um, so what are you going to be doing over this next week or two? Uh, I will be on the LEC for one of the playoff days, the very first one. Uh, I'll be casting that with uh, Quickshot and Cadrill, which I, I've never cast with Cadrill before, so that'll be a fun, uh, fun experience. Um, big old tri-cast, so I'll be looking forward to that. Um, besides that, not like a huge amount. I'll be living, existing. That's a good job. <laughs> I'm proud That's of kind you. kind of it, really. Yeah, no, that, that, that can be it. Hmm. Uh, for me... I'm hopeful I'll have some good news. I've been saying yes. good news for like months now on the podcast. That'll be great. <laughs> hopefully good news is coming, ladies and gentlemen. Outside of that, um, hopefully I got my dissertation done, which isn't actually a mm. dissertation, a formal one, but it, it, hopefully I've got that done. Uh, I don't want it to go over. Um, did you know that on average you can say about 300 words in a minute? So I've got about two hours currently of talking about Magic the Gathering currently oh, on crazy. my paper. So uh, that's going to be fun. I'm making a short film, but it's not a short film anymore. But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening and or watching. If you caught this podcast, you can always catch it wherever you get your podcast needs. Spotify, Apple the internet, YouTube, rate us, review us, tell us what we're doing good, tell us what we're doing bad. We appreciate it. Nightmare, have you got anything else you want to say? Um, get on my level. I, I, I don't know. I didn't really have anything to say. I just get on to his funny. level. Yeah. That, one. Um, that said, <laughs> we'll be back soon, people. Oh, I can't believe DFM are going to win all of this, Nightmare. We can't, can't be leaking the script. Oh my god. Oh. Crazy.